There she is. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back on Peggy's Recovery Corner today. I have a very, very special guest. I've been really excited about having Joanna Shoup on here. She's she's a good friend. I love her so much. I'm so happy that she's on today. Welcome to the corner, Joanna. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, we want to we want to learn about you. Learn about who you are, where you're from, all that. Where were you born? Oh, I was born in Laguna Hills, born and raised. Laguna Hills, California. Laguna Hills, California. Okay, and uh, what was it like growing up in Laguna Hills? Um, what was it like? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Thinking way back. Um, it was interesting. You know, I don't know what really have a lot to compare it to. <laughs> um, it was, I was kind of sheltered a little bit, I guess you could say. And mm -hmm. it was pretty, um, you know, it was just simple, I think. I don't know how to really describe it. Just sheltered at how so? Growing up. <laughs> sheltered, my parents didn't want me to, you know, get into anything. They didn't want me to be like my older brother. So kind of okay so when you say you were born in laguna hills were you adopted no i was not adopted. you were not adopted no wait i thought you told me that before my older brother was adopted your older brother was mm -hmm. okay but yeah no i'm not still I'm have the same mom and i'm a triplet oh you're a triplet yeah that's the special yeah. thing about you oh yeah i'm a triplet and the other ones are boys girls a boy and a girl i have two older brothers as mm -hmm. well my older oldest brother was adopted oh okay that's what you told me yes yeah and okay so being sheltered, like how so? Like what was that like? You know, just like being really kept from, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol and, um, you know, being grounded all the time and actually obeying my parents when I was being grounded. You would obey them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. To an extent. I mean, during those times. What were you doing that you were getting grounded in the first place? Oh, gosh. Driving my friends in the car. and uh, How old? 17 or something like that okay. you know yeah you were kind of was like i was like a late bloomer late bloomer. in many aspects of life did you rebel after that yeah well yeah i got my first tattoo when i was 15. ah that's and, where it started by the way in case you can't see she's just covered like yeah. and, and beautiful tattoos i got a too. few i got a okay. few so 15 you got a tattoo and mom found out uh yeah she found out and she made me get it removed so i had tattoo removed. where was it it was on my wrist and it said Celador. it was uh from the movie donnie darko so you straight up got a tattoo on your list, wrist where she was going to definitely see it. Yeah, well, I put bracelets on it, so it wasn't, you know, I thought it was more of my triplet siblings. They, you know, word of mouth got around because I thought I was a cool kid. And um, What was her reaction when she saw it? Um, it was more like, it was more like, um, let's see. She, obviously, she was upset, you know, I was really young, and that was kind of like the beginning of everything, and. Uh, my brother's girlfriend at the time had taken me to uh, get this tattoo at a shop, mm -hmm. you know, so it was done not with at a home, which a lot of people get their first tattoos done. I got my first tattoo done uh, from a friend in high school that she used India ink and a pen and made this lame tattoo right here. Love that. And the day that I went to get a haircut, which I used to have hair back then in, yeah. the, in the 80s. I've seen uh, photos. <laughs> my mom took me to go get the haircut and I took my shirt off and she looked and she's like, what is that? Like, just laser focus. What is that? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm fucked now. And I remember that she was so angry. Like, I got the haircut. She didn't talk to me for six What's months. What's the tattoo of? Well, now it's different. Now it's the traditional old school. Panther. Panther. We could redo that. <laughs> has, has a little bit of love that needs put in it. Right. Maybe. But before that, it was an eyeball with wings. Oh, classic. That, that was the, oh, yeah. the Indian. Very 90s. Or, so 
So, so okay, so you got your first tattoo and then she made you get it removed. Yeah. And then? Um, and then I think it was just a snowball effect, you know? I um, just, should I just share about... Well, how did it become okay for you to get more tattoos or were... Were you starting to do drugs to rebel? I was, yeah. Then I started. Then I start, you know, started smoking weed. First drug I ever did oh. was, um, I guess I was a sophomore at, or at the end of my freshman year of high school. Okay. So at the end of my freshman year is when I first started experimenting. And who did you like? How did you come about smoking? Well, um, before I ever smoked weed, I bought like 15 pills of ecstasy from someone in my biology class. Before you ever did before any drugs? Before I ever smoked weed. 50 I, pills of ecstasy? 15. Not, 15. Oh, 15. That's Close still enough, not cheap, but, though. That's a lot. Um, I was, you know, I think I was just ready to jump with both feet in. And um, yeah, I bought 15. I remember them being blue dolphins or something at the time. I remember those. Yeah, those are classics. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Blue dolphin ecstasy. Pills. And uh, yeah, I remember I told my brother's girlfriend. She was like, "Well, you have to do them safely. So do them when I'm when you're around me." Uh -huh. You know. And so I I took that was the first time I first drugs I ever did was I took ecstasy. Okay. Before I ever smoked weed, and then after that is when she wanted me to. She's like, "Oh, I want to get you high and all these things." And you know, come to find out later on, you know, years later that she was a tweaker and you know had been smoking meth while. You know, she's getting me high and introduced, she introduced me to a lot of people that I was able to start buying weed from and all that, all that stuff. So it was kind of just out the bat, you know, people at the time where they ran clinics and stuff like that. So I could just get weed from the clinical clinic directors or clinic, whoever was running the clinic at the time. And mm -hmm. I was about like 16. Yeah. So basically this kid that was sheltered and, and, and following rules and getting in trouble, yeah. but, but like... You know, I was ready. You were I ready. Was ready. You just wanted to break out of your shell. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then you now it, it started with weed. Obviously, you had the, the, the ecstasy too. But then what mm -hmm. else? Um, what what you happened? No, I really didn't start drinking for a long time because I was too I was too worried about getting caught drinking. Mm -hmm. Out of all things, um, yeah, I just started selling ecstasy. <laughs> really shortly after that, I started selling. I mean, all of sophomore year and maybe junior year. Sold ecstasy, and that's actually how I got into smoking meth. Was um, someone that I sold ecstasy to had invited me. I had was dropping off some ecstasy to them late at night, and they were all like hanging out for a little while. And then that's kind of how they were smoking meth out of a broken light bulb. And I liked the guy a little bit at the time, and that was that was the first time. And then it kind of uh, kind of snowballed a little bit, and. I was like, where do I get more of that? Smoking meth out of a light bulb. Well, Classic oh, move, right? I remember those days. Have you done that? <laughs> oh. Every hotel room that we used to stay in, we had to like... Broke a light bulb. I mean, we, I'm sure the people, the management probably wondered why oh, just, yeah. do they leave our rooms with zero light bulbs left. That's funny. They probably thought you needed them for something exactly. important. We had, we had to brighten up some yeah. other parts out of, of our Out lives. of light at the house. So yeah, exactly. Take some. So you got into things like that. So drinking came later. Drinking came later. I mean, I drank a little bit with my friends up, but I just, when I drank, I got too drunk and I was sick uh -huh. and I would make a fool of myself or something. So, um, I kept thinking like, you know, in, uh, the program, I, people are like, I remember my first drunk and I'm like, damn, do I remember my first drunk? And I, I'm just reminded of a time where we were at a big Ritz Carlton, like three story mansion. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time I remember drinking that much. And, um, I got drunk and, you know, I'm puking in the toilet and 
and then hung over the next day feeling like total trash. And I was like, like, I don't want to, I don't like, I don't like feeling like that. So I kind of didn't really, didn't really do it that much, but, uh, all the other drugs and stuff like that, it was like, whatever I can get my hands on for a mm-hmm. long time. Right. Yeah. When you were in your youth or growing up, were you artistic? So I never thought like I was, I, you know what? It's not that I knew or didn't know. It's that I didn't have the support from my family mm-hmm. to um, pursue, a, pursue a career in art or anything of the sort. It mm-hmm. was not even on the table. Mm-hmm. But their plan for me, just like my triplet siblings, was to finish high school, get into a four-year college, and have a career from whatever I went to college for. Mm-hmm. It was just like that simple, um, simple, you know, plan of action kind of, you know, my second oldest brother did that. My, both of my triplet siblings gone to four-year colleges Mm -hmm. and it was kind of, I didn't have the, I wanted to do makeup actually. I really wanted to do makeup if I had done makeup. Do makeup like in the mall or? No, just uh, freelancing. Um, I mean, at the time I was only, you know, 18. So I didn't, makeup wasn't a big thing back then. Yes. Um, So yeah, I thought I would go to makeup school and see where it took me, Mm -hmm. you know? But I never, I never really took that opportunity because I didn't think that I would. I basically didn't have the support from my family, family. or friends or anyone really, like because that wasn't something that people. It was kind of like a last ditch option mm-hmm. kind of thing. It wasn't back then a career, path, yeah. a big career path, really money making. Now, if I had done that, wow, you could you imagine where my, where that could have been. But you know, I'm grateful that didn't happen because. I'm here today and right. I have a lot more other things. I make a lot more money probably than a lot of makeup artists now. So nice. Yeah. So as you were, um, you know, getting into your later teens and into your early, into your young adulthood, uh, what happened? Did you start to get into some heavier stuff? Um, yeah. So I, th- I, I'm thinking like maybe high school years, you know, I just smoked a lot of meth. Like I just, were you running with people that were obviously tweakers? So I started, the same dude that introduced it to me, you know, I, I had to get it from him. Mm-hmm. And then basically because I knew what people were like on it, mm-hmm. that's how I met other people that did it. So I was able, I didn't know like who to ask, you know, mm-hmm. cause I'm in high school, right. but um, there was an instance where I, I met a, a friend of a friend and he was, you know, on a good one. And I was like, like, you got more of that? Like yeah. I can tell like you're like not, you know, uh, just being normal. And then I started seeing that guy and getting it from him. And, um, I'm trying to think like, how did it progress? You know, I had other friends that I was close to that, um, that had connects, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, I did kind of start running with people, but I was the kind of person that I didn't want to like deal with a lot of people. I just kind of wanted to get my drugs and, and hang out with a small group of people Mm -hmm. and not be around a bunch of tweakers because I just felt I just felt like more it was more acceptable maybe mm-hmm. in a way any police activity yeah so I got so I got my first DUI when I was none of it was crim was well it was criminal but none of it was involving drugs mm-hmm. for you know till the last time I got arrested so what, what do you mean a DUI is driving so under the influence drive, none of it well involved well you're right Driving under the influence of alcohol. Okay. None of it in dri- involved hard drugs, I guess you could say. So was the DUI driving so under the influence of something else? No, it was an, uh, alcohol. That one was alcohol. Point oh, I had a 0.03 blood alcohol level. I was 18. I lived in Chico. It was I thought that was the move. And a guy ran in front of my car, painted all dark green like the Hulk. 
And um, it was like a few days for Halloween. So of course he was painted dark green like the Hulk and he was wasted and he ran in front of my car as I'm going through a green light and I got, and I hit him. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't see. It was like three feet in front of me as he ran in front of my car. It's a small little road in the, in Chico, if you've ever been up there, it's not like a big town. They don't have a lot right. of streetlights. You bought, your car hit him. I hit him. It was all on videotape in front of a 7-Eleven. So they tried to get me with bodily injury, DUI bodily injury. They dropped the bodily injury, and that was kind of the that was the kind of start of my. my they dropped the bodily injury. They but they kept the DUI because they were able to prove basically what ends up happening in a situation like that is who was more negligent. So like the guy had a point two eight blood alcohol level. Oh, he was drunk. He was wasted. He had been in the Seven Eleven an hour prior. It's all on you know in my in the paperwork. Right. He'd been in the Seven Eleven hour prior. Uh, he had he had threatened the the cash register lady. He said, "I'm going to come back and I'm going to kill you." She wouldn't sell him any more alcohol, mm -hmm. so he left after threatening her. And on his way back across the street is when I hit him. Hmm. And then, um, yeah, so I, I blamed him for a long time. You know, I didn't want to take any responsibility for my own actions. And um, and then and, you know, I moved home and then I had a big back injury. I broke my back and my wrist. I was thrown out of a car. Mm -hmm. And then um, that kind of was what started my tattooing and art stuff, you know, very piece by piece. Started, How so? Well, I started collecting glass. So I started, I can't believe I'm not wearing a pendant right now, but I started collecting glass and I started getting into this really niche industry of, of uh, glass blowers and art collectors. Mm -hmm. And that has like completely changed my life. I've seen some of your stories on Facebook and stuff where you're somewhere where they're blowing glass. Yeah. 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 It's fascinating. Yeah. It's amazing. And I, so I'm a collector. I consider myself a collector and I just had a lot of time in my hands. I had a broken back and um, I was rehabbing from that. I got money from breaking my back. I got a little settlement, not a lot, but I started investing in glass at the time and I still smoked weed. I, that dabbing became popular. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started dabbing and I, we would go to gauntlets and share glass and it'd be this whole community thing to, you know, right. getting high. And, um, it was a big part of my life for a really long time. Okay. Yeah. So then, and, and you were dabbing, but what about the weed, uh, the speed? Had you put so method aside? No, no. So you were I, still tweaking. Both of them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Both of them just as hard as the other. Right. Yeah. So dabbing. This is your so, early twenties. Uh, yes. Yeah. Early twenties. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess you're right. 21, 20. So I started collecting glass in 2012, a year or so after I, so I had back surgery in 2012. Right. I had a lower lumbar fusion and, um, and yeah, that's when I, that's when I started collecting glass. Mm. Um, I have some pieces still from those years. I still mm. have a lot of big collection of stuff, good investments. Now you said DUI. Was it your first DUI? Was there more? So it was my first DUI. Then I had another. I had two more. DUI, I had three more DUIs. One got dropped. Oh my god! Because I was a .03, but I had two other DUIs. There were second DUI, uh, failure to yield to an ambulance in LA. I got pulled over for failure to yield to an ambulance. And they um, found out you were drunk. I had a .05. So we had just gone to a bar. hadn't been drinking much. I had left it. I was like, I'll drive because I feel safest driving. And then I was still on, <coughs> excuse me, D I was still on DUI probation from the first one because I had a five-year DUI probation oh from that. Oh, my God. And so, um, and uh, yeah, they really got me on that one. And then, um, and then yeah, I got that DUI. I was in LA County Jail. And then a few months later, I got a, four, a third DUI. I was in Laguna Beach. Mm -hmm. I pulled too tight on a turn and a 
cop had already pulled someone else, a motorcycle cop had already pulled someone else over. And um, I popped my tire in my car when I took the turn too tight. And um, and then he was like, whoop, you know, of course, he came and, came and arrested me. And I ran from him. Oh my yeah, I ran God. From him. And so um, they got me, they got me with evading and, and stuff like that. And evading police is not a good charge, especially when you already have a prior. <sighs> So bad, yeah. So, but they they just they just booked me and like let me go to the drug tank and look at a beach. I didn't mm-hmm. go to Maine or anything. And then for and then maybe a month later, I got like another DUI, but that ended up getting dropped in court. Point a point oh three blood alcohol level, and mm-hmm. um, I had a really good attorney by that. All time. your DUIs were like a small amount of alcohol. All of them were, yeah. My third DUI was a point oh eight. Yeah, that's like one drink, <clears throat> right? I had one, like yeah, I had had a tall like IPA beer. And I had, but I just finished it. I literally remember I threw it out the window, like maybe a few blocks before I got pulled over. So and you, did you ever like think, you know, I've got this DUI, I got this other one, and maybe I, sh- I shouldn't be drinking and driving, no, but because, I'm going to do it anyway. No, because I like to drink and drive. Oh, you like to? Oh, I like to drink and drive. I like to be, I like to be drinking at all times. Right. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't that I like to, I don't want to be as boring. I wanted to be in the car. I wanted to be like, have it, have a buzz. Yeah. Plus I'm on meth the whole time. So realistically, you're not as drunk as what I'm not as drunk. And I, and I want to, I want to, I'm on a high. So I need to like, so I don't have too much paranoia and anxiety. I need to like relax my body and be on like a little bit of a depressant so I can try to even out, Mm. you know, you had it calculated. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. And then, so I, and then I, you know, I fought that case for maybe a year, the third DUI, the, the fourth one got dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how my attorney at that time was really, had a, had a really amazing attorney and I fought it, you know, for a long time. She was like, just go to rehab, just go to rehab. Like you, I'm like, I don't, I can't stop smoking weed. You know, that was like my biggest thing. And I see that so often. I couldn't stop smoking weed. I did not want to give it up. I have back pain, blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, made up any, any excuse I could. And, right. um, and so I finally put it off and, and then, um, you know, I signed for like four and a half months to go to jail, finally signed that case. I just wanted to get it over with by that time. And, uh, I went to, I went to the farm for five months and then I knew after being there for so long that I didn't want to go back to that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think that was the first time I was like really introduced to AA and, um, the big book. Cause there was a big book that some, you know, there was a lady with like six or seven DUIs and she was like this is what you need to be doing, Read the book. you know? And, uh, anyways, so I went to, that was my, I decided to get reprocessed or whatever. I forgot what the term is and get, um, resentenced mm-hmm. so I could go to rehab for six months. Right. And, um, I only, that only, you know, happened right at the end of my sentence anyway. So it didn't really matter. But, um, I went to Nancy Clark for six months. You did? Yeah. I went to Nancy Clark for six months and I And totally Nancy Clark faked- is what for those that don't know? Nancy Clark is a inpatient rehab in Costa Mesa. In Costa Mesa, yeah, Costa Mesa, California. Was there counselors and things like so that? So there were counselors. It was a really great rehab. Um, I guess I shouldn't really be saying this necessarily. I don't know. It's okay. It was a great rehab, but I faked it. Like after the first two months, I was so dry. Didn't want, did not want to get sober. As soon as I got out of jail, I was like, the wheels were spinning. I was like, what did I get myself into? This is going to be a little vacation. And basically what happened was I, maybe even a month and a half later, you know, they, I start getting privileges and all that stuff. And basically what ended up happening was I met a connect in there and, 
and I started drinking. I started putting four locos and, you know, Starbucks cups and I started things got things got a little better, you know? Yeah. So I was just like, okay, like I can still have a good time and it, things be fine. But realistically what I ended up doing was I told my mom, I smoke, I was smoking weed and she, that, that was supposedly okay or whatever with her. So I had her give me her piss the whole time I was at Nancy Clark. I had her pee for me. I had her pee for me. I've told you this. Though, I, I, I've I been waiting this for this part. I, love you. I know you love this part. I, I feel like I don't tell this enough because it's kind of an interesting thing, but your mom was peeing in a cup or a bottle. She or... was being in a cup for me. And then I would prepare it and I would use that for weeks, months. What? How did she you would freeze it sometimes? <laughs> how did you, yeah, how did you convince her? Listen, you're I'm... in rehab. Like, how's your mom okay with peeing in a cup? Does she know that you are getting loaded? No, she, she just thinks I'm like smoke, but I would test dirty for weed at the time, you know? So to her, weed wasn't a big deal. Weed wasn't, she didn't really know about, she didn't, she turned a blind eye to a lot of any other drugs. Yeah. She was just like, she just doesn't understand. It's not like I'm, it's not like I'm shooting up heroin and I'm asleep with a needle. Mom, she doesn't ever seen that, you know right. what I mean? Like. So to her, I was a functioning addict. I got a lot of stuff done, at least in you know. And so I you would come say, "Mom, I need you to pee in this for me." We'll yeah, I would, I would. I would. I would. Yeah, because I would have her do it like the night before, the the next morning. I had. I started going to school at Saddleback, and um, and I knew the days that they were going to be testing and breathalyzing and all that stuff. And I've kind of built a rapport, and I was able to just, just you know, fly under the radar. Oh yeah. So when she would pee in the cup and freeze it. How I mean, you're supposed to give that to them at body temperature. So I put it in a little fire energy bottle, and you put like tin foil at the top, and you put it inside of you, and you poke a hole, and you have to pee in front of them. Put it inside of you where? <laughs> inside of your body. Like underneath your armpit? No, like in your in your body cavity. That's where you would stick that thing. Yeah. My God! <laughs> oh my God! And it doesn't matter. It didn't matter about the. Body. I mean, I know about people they putting things inside of them, but like that. They whoa. didn't check about the body temperature. That wasn't a thing. You know, they just. Wanted... I mean, I, I had to get a job one time when I was eighteen, and I had totally dirty piss. Yeah. Uh, but those places are serious. This was no. Like I had that. somebody that peed for me, and I actually went into the place, and I knew that they had a lunchroom around the corner with a microwave. So I went in there and warmed my pee up, wow. and brought it, and like I, I pulled it off. The guy, but the guy's like. Your body temperature is unusually high, like much higher. You you might like have like fever symptoms. I'm like, no, it's okay, just take it. And he took it. I got the job, but that was you know whatever. We, that's great. We be clever, you know what I mean? Like that's we, we great. come up with, with different stuff. But so so six months you were in that program. Six months, and I barely barely finished it because I. Towards the end, my mom's piss tested dirty for amphetamines, but I think it was just like pre-workout she was taking. Oh she definitely my doesn't do it. God. She doesn't definitely doesn't do amphetamines. So right. my dealer in the rehab, I used his piss. It was clean. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't. He had to be do it for family court and stuff like that too, and he couldn't. He just sold it. He, he was the do plug. It. He was the plug, and I got it the last time. But when I tested dirty, they tested my spit. And they were like, oh, because of course I was dirty for, for amphetamines. Right. So, of course, my spit's going to test dirty, too, because it's actually mine. Right. Anyways, it was like it was like the last week I was there. And I don't know how it all worked out, but it did. <laughs> I finished that program. And, um, you know, that wasn't that wasn't the end of, end of me 
end of me, uh, you know, uh, running, running and gunning for a program, you know, right. I've done, I've, I've forged a certificate of completion for the court before mm-hmm. and I got away with that in Ventura County. When you got out of there, uh, how long did you stay sober for afterwards? I wasn't sober at all. Oh, no, sorry. You're right. Yeah. You, you so didn't I didn't, sober. I didn't say sober. I, so what'd you do? I continued just, I continued getting high and drinking and, and where were you living? I lived with my mom. Yeah. In Laguna Hills. Yeah, Laguna Hills. And then yeah. um, you started getting into other stuff. Did you get in more trouble? I'm trying to think like what else because those, I feel like those. You said you told me earlier that you were shooting dope. No, so that was toward, only towards the end, but right before. So I think I just like, I think after that, I kind of just slid by for a long time. I just continued doing the same thing for honestly a few years. I did pet sitting and dog walking and I. I got away with that and I, and I did that and then I just got miserable enough. And there was a point in time, you know, this was, I went to jail in 2015. Wow. Now I'm thinking about how much time went by and such. And in my head, it was like, is that know, where you met our friend? What? Our friend that we were talking about earlier. Is that? Where oh yeah. Met? During in 2015. Is that so that's six years ago? Six years ago. That was the last time I was in Orange County in jail. And then uh, maybe three years ago. Now I think about it. So, so three years passed. I don't know where the time went, but it you know went up went up the pipe basically and mm-hmm. um three years past i don't know what i want to do with my life totally a mess you know i'm trying to figure out if i want to do cut and sew stuff I, I, i'm just i'm collecting glass i'm you're tweaking i'm tweaking stuff. the whole time oh yeah tweaking and that, that meth world like when you're in that lifestyle everything's a clusterfuck everything was you don't really know what the fuck Right. The time I can't believe it was three years that went by before. Well, they don't call it speed for nothing. It speeds everything up. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just trying different things. I wanted to do something with my life. I didn't know what. And I, um, I finally, I finally was like, my mom is tired of my, me being at home. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to work. Didn't want to get a job because I, I wanted to do pet sitting. I wanted it to be easy. And, um, you know, she was finally really tired of it. And she's like, you need to get out of here. And, uh, she knew you were getting high in the house. I don't know if she knew I was getting high. It was just that I was drinking her alcohol all the time. Oh I'd always drink all her alcohol. I was too paranoid to go to the store and steal it because that's what I usually would do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, hit. I didn't want to get caught doing that. I didn't want to get caught with the DUI again. Right. I knew if I'd continued to do that stuff, that would happen. So I just didn't do a lot. I made people bring it to me. Right. And. Um, and that's kind of what I did for a real long time. And uh, finally, you know, she was like, you need to get out of here. Like, you cannot be here. And so she kicked you out. Kicked me out. Where'd moved you go? to my grandparents. Which was where? Which was in Westlake Village, California. Los Angeles. Los Angeles, yeah. And um, I thought that I was going to get sober. I thought I was going to stop drinking and doing drugs. And that was a very short period of time. Didn't um, happen. Did not happen. And what ended up happening was I started looking on Craigslist for Connects. And that's how I started shooting dope. And were you looking on Craigslist for meth connects? Meth connects, yeah. Because you were more, you liked uppers. Yeah, so I wasn't looking for anything besides meth connects because I could get weed, you know, I could get alcohol, mm-hmm. I could get anything. I could pick up, you know, Xanax down south, you know, it's stock up. I'd always pick up a lot. In Mexico? No, just down here in south of LA. Orange County. You know, Orange County, sorry. Okay, okay. I would just pick up, I would just stock up anything I needed, you mm-hmm. know. And I uh, had a Percocet prescription, so I sold Percocet. And uh, I continued to do that during that time. And I had a 120 milligram Percocet prescription. Was that because of the accident? Because my back injury, yeah. yeah. And um, so that kind of helped. Did you ever shoot uh, heroin heroin or perks or anything like that? I never took perks either. 
Oh, you didn't even take your prescription? No. You just sold They it? make me really sick. Yeah. Oh, wow. So Like violently sick. Make me dizzy and stuff. So mm-hmm. I just I never could take them. I tried to before right, right. when I was like out of drugs, but I would be miserably sick. And I was just like, well, that was a mistake. I would just lay in bed and like feel like crap. So, you know, it's interesting. Like, I, I had a, uh, me personally, I think may have been because my geographic area where I live. Yeah. I, I, I had a heroin stint. Yeah. F- for some time. I had an opium stint, like real opium, yeah, you t- like, I like heard straight about up that. opium. Right. And, and I became highly addicted to it. Yeah. And also like experienced the withdrawals and didn't even detox. Like I, like I didn't go to detox. I detox myself and it was, Damn. it was hell. Right. But like, it just seemed like if you lived in, in the late nineties or, or like early two thousands in South Orange County and you knew people, or it just seemed like that area was just tweaked the fuck out. Yeah. So in knowing that you now tell me that you moved up to LA and you were seeking meth. Yeah. Like Simi Valley. Simi Valley. Oh, and, yeah. and you were getting it, right? That's where I found it. Yeah. And what would you just type something on Craigslist? Like Craigslist, there was a time they had like personals and it was more like, I probably shouldn't be telling people how to do this, but um, they used to, I think used anybody to be like knows, seeking, knows. Yeah. seeking people, like, you know, people that want to like mess around and stuff, but really like, that's where I was looking for it because you could look, you could say certain for, things you looking say. for Tina and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, having, you know, Tina party and all these, you know, things. And I could, I could start weeding them out and then just happen to be, there happened to be Isaac one says guy. That's how he found his. See Isaac. I feel you right there. And Lynn, Lynn says, it's not that hard. Hi Lynn. <laughs> so, okay. So then you were tweaking up in LA. Yeah. So I was doing that and, and it was hot as hell. And it was just, uh, that guy shot it, and I never had been around really someone that much that did it, and I wanted. He shot it. like intravenously. Yeah, intravenously. So I did it short period of time with that guy, but um, basically what ended up happening. Were you scared was, the first time you were going to stick a needle in your arm? I think I I had thought about it so much, like. Had you already gotten tattoos? Yeah, I'd already gotten a bunch of. So tattoos. you weren't afraid of needles. I wasn't afraid of needles. I think it was more like I wanted to feel like something a different high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was supposedly so good, you know, so people made it this, this thing and he didn't want me to try it really. You know, he was like, everyone always says it's not the way to go, but, um, I wanted to try it, you know, and I did and I liked it and I, but I could only get high cause he could help and when he could help me. Right. And basically this guy, that's when I started, this was like my serious criminal stint where find out that he doesn't buy and sell motorcycles. He steals motorcycles. So we started scouting and selling motorcycles up in Ventura County and Simi Valley. And then I, we get arrested for chop shop operation and possession of stolen vehicles. And that was when I was like, this isn't going to Did work. you go to Twin Town? Oh, we went to Ventura County. Ventura County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So then how long were you in jail? I was in jail for like 10 days. I got OR'd. And then um, I was able to go to a program. They allowed me to go to, I don't even know how this happened, whether it be a godsend or not, but he went to like a six month inflation. I was allowed to do a three, because I had a really good attorney. Of course, mom again, you know, helping me out. Mom can't save you. Um, But uh, yeah, so he, uh, I got a three month outpatient. I don't know how, instead of uh, leeway of jail time. So I went to Pillars in Costa Mesa mm-hmm. and really great program. I loved them. I had really good counselors, mm-hmm. really wanted to stay sober, really wanted it this time. And I was really serious about it. Got a sponsor, started working the steps. 
And, um, you know, God really tested me again. You know, he, I was still wanting to do the house sitting, pet sitting thing and didn't know what else to do. Cause that was what I was good at. Mm-hmm. And, um, I found a lady on housesitter.com. She would need me to watch her house and her like 13 year old, um, at, in Laguna beach. You know, we had an interview Basically, I'm there watching her house. My vape had broken. So she had a vape in her room where I was staying, just mm-hmm. on her dresser. I hit her vape. I hit her vape. And I was like, mm, that tastes like meth. That tastes like meth. And I hit it one more time and I was like, because mm. in my head, I was like, this is this is just old juice. She didn't take it with her, you know. There's no way. There's no so way. So she had there's... straight meth in a she vape. She had meth, meth in a vape, 100%. And I put it out of my mind. I didn't hit it anymore. I hit it twice. I didn't hit it anymore. I put it aside and I was like, I had been talking to some dude at the time. So we were kind of up all night talking anyways on the phone. So I just thought it was nerves being in a new place. I didn't really think much. Yeah, it was harder for me to sleep, but I wasn't meth high like you would be after relapsing. Mm-hmm. Because it's different when you hit it in a vape than you, when you hit it. Sure, it's vaporized. Yeah. And so anyways, um, so I went to my program the next day at nighttime, which I had plenty of time to get my mom's pissed because thinking back, that's what I would have done if I knew I was going to test dirty. Right. Because I had to – I'm looking at a, like a two-year sentence or something if I if I don't finish this program. And mm-hmm. I'm like I'm – like, I'm like a week and a half away from finishing this three-month program. Mm-hmm after having dealt with all these other issues with them, making sure I was finishing on time for the court and all these other things and paperwork. And, um, basically I end up testing dirty and they kicked me out. They're like, well, you out can- of Nancy Clark. No, this was uh pillars. Oh, it was pillars. Was pillars. So this was 2018. They kicked you out. They kicked me out. They said either you go to detox, which I couldn't cause I'm watching this lady's house. She'd already paid me. Mm-hmm. You either watch, either you go to detox or you have to leave, you know? And I was, I, I was super upset. I was like, I can't believe this. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, there was a moment in time where I could have called my sponsor. I could have called my sponsor. I could have reached out and I chose not to. Right. Went back to that house. Went back to that house. I decided to, uh, forgot what I did that night, but the next night was a big uh, music event that I was going to be going to. So I was like, I just started drinking that night. It got yeah. really lit. I had hit the rest of her vape juice that she had that weekend. And then I was off off to the races. I made a certificate of completion for that court case so that I could pass. They thought, you know, HIPAA laws, you know, they can't, unless it's a warrant, you know, or something to provide, you know, medical records. You made a fake one? I made a fake one. Yeah. I ordered the certificate paper and everything. I had taken a photo of one. Doctored it up. Someone that is so easy to do. The craziest thing. I had a photo of, I had a photo of someone that had just completed it maybe a week prior. Mm-hmm. And, um, Quite I just, the clever tweaker. Yeah. 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 So anyways, I, I got out of that program and then, you know, that's basically for another nine months. I was I was running, gunning, and I made friends with all the bartenders at the local bar, and that was like my regular thing, you know. And I really was just so miserable, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and during that time, I applied to Laguna College of Art and Design because I was like, "What am I gonna do with my life?" Like, I had my brother. I told my brother I wanted to be a tattoo artist, and he's like, "This was, you know, prior to that." And he was like, "When I was living in, with my grandparents, mm-hmm. I had." bought my first art supplies and stuff like that. And no. um, I really wanted to start painting. And he was like, well, if you, you want to be a tattoo artist and you learn how to paint. And that was really the beginning. And um, I, um, 
I started, I had gotten an iPad during that time too. So I had an iPad to use, to draw on. And I, I started building a portfolio tech in essentially a portfolio of artwork mm -hmm. because you needed a portfolio to apply to LCAD. Mm -hmm. And so I applied thinking I'm not going to have any chance. I have no idea where the standard is, you know, for them to allow students right. in and accept students. And, um, I remember I was at the bar when I called them to see if I got in or not. And when I got the, I remember stepping out of the bar, it was a beautiful day and I started crying and I was just like, cause I got in, I got accepted yeah. and it was like my only place I had applied, you know, and it's not like I was really, you know, taking a big stretch, just applying there. Right. And, um, anyways, that I knew as soon as I got in, I needed to, I needed to, I needed to cut the, I needed to cut the cord. I needed to like start getting serious. I didn't did not want to throw away this opportunity. And, um, but I, I could, I could stop smoking weed and I could quit the meth. Because, but when it came down to it, I could not stop drinking. Mm. I couldn't go one day without drinking. And um, a month before school started, it was like when I, I went to a meeting, I was able to not drink that day. I don't know how. You know, I'd been praying about it. And um, I was so miserable the last time I drank. I just remember I had no money. I had burned out all my spots. I was just so paranoid. I... Um, you know, I had it been over a month since I smoked meth or weed at the time. Right. And, um, but I couldn't stop drinking. And I remember I was miserable meeting, you know, random dudes on dating apps and having them, you know, drinking their alcohol and stuff. And this one guy, I went to his house and he only had like tall boy cores or something, which was like not the kind of alcohol that I wanted to drink, but I drank it anyways. And he was like all depressed. And I was like, what, like, what am I doing? And, um, the next day, and then I did a bunch of nitrous, you know, that night or something like that. And, um, the next day I went to a meeting and I didn't drink that day. And then I went to a meeting the next day and I didn't drink the day. And then I went to a meeting the next day and I had Tara was speaking at Gucci hmm. and that's, uh, when I asked her to be my sponsor and I've been sober ever since. And it's been how many years now? So it's been two years and two months. And why do you take it so serious? Because I could lose everything. Yeah, I I uh I could lose everything. I have a beautiful life today. And um, you got sober in your late twenties. Yeah, that's considered young people so sobriety. Yeah, I'm getting older. That's no, for sure. you're not getting older. <laughs> Imagine me. Um, but, but yeah, it's crazy. You're an interesting character. You yeah. want to know why? Tell me. I love <clears throat> to hear this. The things that. I used to see you in, in places where people go to congregate for meetings, uh -huh. right? 12-step uh, meetings. I used to see you, and I think, she's interesting. Uh -huh. like, and it's not just the tattoos. It's the way that you carried yourself. Um, you seemed, I mean, you were friends with some of the other youngsters that I knew that were, and you probably still are. Yeah. But, like, you were also independent, mm -hmm. it seemed. Yeah. It seemed, right? You You had an agenda in your life, a few agendas perhaps, but... One of them was definitely you were like driven towards art. Mm -hmm. uh, seeing your stuff on Facebook, I would see that you were in school. Mm -hmm. uh, you were obviously in the tattoo world, ah. right? Mm -hmm. Right. And then on top of that, like I started to see your TikTok presence, which which oh. you were, you know, you have a, you know a, a way about you. Yeah, yeah. And I would often think like, why is she living in Orange County? Like she should live in LA. She's totally LA. Yeah. But you know. I guess you you definitely love the area mm -hmm. down in OC. Um, I I just 
I love your style. Thank you. It's it just it's and it's not just the tattoos, and it's not the hairstyles. Although, like you're fun to watch on TikTok. Thank like, you. What's your TikTok handle? Uh, baby cherry pie. B B Y cherry pie. Spell it. B B Y C H E R R Y P I E. Okay. And is that because of, is this part of that? Yeah, cherry pie. Okay. Baby cherry pie. Something okay. I want to do something different that relates to tattoos, but is not um, not doesn't have the word tattoo in it. Okay. And in what like now that you're in school, like you are studying to become what? So I'm uh, my major is drawing and paint drawing and painting with an illustration emphasis. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm just about to finish my tattoo apprenticeship. And is tattoo apprenticeship part of that school? No, that's a whole separate, separate thing. Separate. I'm doing that's both. within a tattoo parlor or tattoo school. Yeah, so a tattoo shop. Shop, I'm which is where? Which one? In, in Laguna Beach, called Cast of Grounds. Okay. Really nice. That's a, that's like the spot down there. It's a really nice shop. Everyone, yeah. a bunch of the artists there are alumni from my school. Okay. So it's all fine art based. So they went to, to to that school. Oh, they went to the same school as I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your artistic skills, as far as drawing and painting, have uh, improved because oh, yeah. you said you weren't really artistic, like, or you didn't know. I you just were, didn't you know. Yeah, I knew I had a lot of really good ideas, and that's what I thought would. I thought because my ideas were really good that there would be some kind of aspect I could use them in in mm-hmm. the future, you know. And uh, that's kind of when I just started. I was like, you know, let me just try this and see what I, what what comes comes of it. And um, then I was like, wow, I can actually do this. People started noticing. Mm-hmm. I started being able to make money selling art. Mm-hmm. Now I, you know, I'm working on charcoals and I'm doing all these different mediums and I can be successful and make money doing that as a hobby while I tattoo, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't want to just tattoo. I don't want to just make art. I want to do all of it. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I think I told you this, but a lot of people don't know this about me, but like I, in 2004, I may have been like in my early thirties, probably mm-hmm. around the age that you are right now. Yeah. But um, I was not well. I was on lots of drugs, and I, my mom kept encouraging me to go to the art institute, and really? I was like, I'm not ready for this. In my head, I was saying, I'm not ready for this. To her, I was like, okay. Yeah. Right? And we signed up, and I knew like in three weeks I need to go actually start school, and I thought this is going to be so fucking overwhelming because I'm not sober and I'm not going to perform well, and, and yeah. it's going to become too much for me, and I'll just like use all the way up until that week, and then I'll quit one week yeah, before it, and that this. didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then the day before I was going to go, I actually went, and I just I, for I attempted to go to school there for one year, to learn interactive media design nice. and build, build websites and things like that. I took painting classes. I did all, I, all of it. I loved it. I loved really? the way they would send us on our field trips to different art museums yeah. to go do reports and things like that. But more importantly, like I was studying art. You know what I mean? Like 100% I'm art an history. artist. Like I, I love colors. I love art. Mm-hmm. I love coloration. I love drawing. I love painting. I love doing murals, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But the problem was when I was debilitated on drugs, like I couldn't fucking do it. Yeah. Like I would, I would overkill or I would uh, not show up or I'd show up late. And I was yeah. just, I tanked that school. Yeah. Like I, it got so bad. I got put on academic probation two different times. And then finally, yeah. like on my last chance, I totally ruined the whole opportunity and got kicked out of that school by the Dean of Students and asked not to come back on the campus. No way. Like that's how bad I was. So to see you thriving now in, in artistically yeah. after getting sober, like this, you could have missed Crazy. all this. I knew, I knew because I had been, tr- I had tried to paint, I had tried to do art uh, um, without drinking, or I, well, I couldn't, I really couldn't because I wanted to be fucked up, you know. Right. 
I try to do it just smoking weed. I try to do it without smoking with a meth before I try to do it just drinking a little bit. And every time either like if I was smoking too much meth beforehand, which I always was smoking meth. So realistically, like I had to like tone it down. Right. My hands would be shaking if I would drink too, even just a little bit. As I'm drinking and I'm feeling the buzz, I just start to get sloppy. Like I don't care. Mm -hmm. And I would smoke weed. And this happened multiple times where I tried this. And it's weird to think back, but I remember every instance. And I remember being like, this is why this happened. I would smoke, I would just smoke weed. And I was like, oh, and I would zone out on my phone. I wouldn't even, I I swear this happened multiple times where I'm, 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 I have something ready to paint all this stuff. And then I'm, I smoke weed. I took a dab or whatever. And I'm just like on my phone and it's an hour later. And I was like, I don't feel like painting, you know. <laughs> I understand it all too. Oh, like why would I want to paint right now? I'm loaded. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just want to get more loaded. Yeah. So now you're plugged in. You've been sober for a while. Yeah. You take this thing seriously. Is that 100%. new? Uh, kind of new. Maybe well, I got it. Evan, one of the artists at the shop did it. We're looking at a, I have a barb, chrome barbed wire tattoo. Where do you come up with the styles of the tattoos? Like what makes you choose certain things? Like the cherry pie is awesome. It looks so awesome. It looks so good. It's just, I don't know. I I think that stuff that I I have not seen before, you know what I mean? I mean, you have, what's this bottle say? Nostalgia? Nostalgia elixir. elixir. I got that when I was in rehab in 2015. Uh And what makes you come up with It says a matter of time. I think I saw like a theme. I don't know. I think it was like. I don't. I don't remember. Okay, so you have some fruit. I have some fruit. What's up with the fruit? The fruit we always had, you know, really productive lemon and orange tree uh-huh. in our backyard, right? My whole life. So mm-hmm. those are things that were like a reminder, you know, like water where you want it to be fruitful. Right. And those were like important uh, tattoos of mine. Here, and, let's um, see if we can. Yeah. I can like move back yeah, a yeah. little bit. Move back and show them what you but got there. I have a little bit of. Um, we have the orange and stuff like that, and um, my cat is a mon- uh, lucky cat here. That's your cat. That's my cat. Your yeah. cat's name is Louie. Louie, yes. And my little my mom used to say I cried alligator tears, so we got the jar of tears. Oh and- my god, that's awesome! Yeah, that's cool, huh? Wait, wait, wait. Let me see. Oh my yeah. god, that's awesome! Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Now I there's now themes. I think about there's it. like meaning to your. Tattoos. Oh yeah, there's a lot of meaning. Um, I have a. I have a few Amelie tattoos that. Um, Look at that flower, it's awesome. Yeah, I just had this redone, uh, recolored. Mm-hmm. But I have a bunch of stuff. A lot of them are very meaningful. This is from another Amelie reference, uh-huh. the artichoke. I have Am- Amelie phrase. I have. Are you going to color in the artichoke or no? No, they're probably going to stay black and gray on my inner legs mm-hmm. because um, that's just kind of the style. Yeah. But yeah. That's... So, so with having all these tattoos. Now, I mean, obviously your mom tripped out and made you get your tattoo removed in the first place. Yeah. And so then you went and got, I mean, what does she say now? Did she, another mm-hmm. tattoo or did she, she? Yeah. She was like, oh, when did you get that one? Or how long are you? But she doesn't trip. She did for a lo- very long time. Right. She thought, she took it very personally. I think that's more of what it is. It's like, she took it very personally. I think it's also because she has this mindset that if you have a lot of tattoos, if you have all this artwork, how are you going to get a job? You know, mm-hmm. and now that they see I have a career in art, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more accepted. You know, my grandpa who never, you know, this is a, a tattoo of my grandpa. Mm, so awesome. And um, he now, you know, points it out to his caretakers, which before that would have never. I've had it wouldn't thing. have flown. No, he would have never. 
like pointed it out and been like, I, I like, like, wow, you have that on your body. But now I, he tells everyone. And it, I think it's cause he's not only proud, but he's accepting and he, he sees that I have a career in it and he trusts, you know, that I'm going to be successful with, with what Are I'm you, doing. Is your future, is it, does it consist of you being a, like an all-star tattoo artist in Laguna beach? I don't know about Laguna beach. You know, long term, but I think what I want to do is travel and do and do guest spots. Probably, I'll, maybe I'll have my own my own shop. But I think ideally, tattooing will pay the bills. Tattooing right. will be a main source of income. But realistically, it would be nice to to use that outlet to be able to just create art and have exhibitions, art exhibitions, mm-hmm. which I want to be successful in as well. You have ribbons on your back that you say you want to take off. Yeah, I'm getting them removed. So, so when you get it removed, then you're going to have like a plain back. So I'll have a have nothing on my back. Does that anymore. make it? Will that make it a fresh canvas? Are you planning on covering everything? Fresh canvas. I'll get a whole back piece probably done. Okay. Down to my butt. You still have a lot of room. I'm saving this. You're saving. Yeah, it. it's been hard, but I'm I'm saving it because I. I want. I'm, I'm going to go to Italy this summer. I want to get work done in Italy by a bunch of artists. I'll Do you already my, know the artists that you want to? Yes. Get, yeah. yeah of course. Of course. What about your face? How come you've never tattooed your face? Because I, I like my face. Your face is beautiful. I think you're that, a very beautiful lady. Thank you. I'm telling you. I think. Thank you. Like, I think m- the guy m- that I'm like seeing likes that too. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But um, I think the face tattoos it have to be something really special. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely thought about it, you know, something coming out out of my head onto here, but I'm not in any rush, Yeah, you know, because um, I think those are all really important tattoos that will Do come you think time. when you see like addicts and, or alcoholics that are in recovery that get face tattoos or have gotten them in the past, do you think that shit sometimes is psychological or do you think like there was a, a point to it? That they get them or... Yeah. Do you think they're trying to put a message out? Is there a, a fuck you to the world or I don't care? Or I don't care about my future. Definitely. I'm not going to get a job. Oh, yeah. or... A lot of it is just dumb, dumb thinking. You yeah. know what I mean? Or too. I was loaded when I did it. Yeah. I've talked to a few people with face tattoos that were, that were in the program or that were using when they got these tattoos. And some of them were just, some of them are just bets and, oh, I bet you wouldn't do that. And, oh yeah, watch me. You know what I mean? Or, or um, it was they're just they're just fleeting thoughts, but right. they're permanent pieces. And they, someone that I was talking to for a little while, he had a bunch of face tattoos, and um, he was like, "No, I definitely want to get them removed." So people that get them eventually do regret them. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Some people. Some people don't. You know, some people get them later on in life. I dated someone with a tattoo on his face. He loved it. It was like you know his whole the total thing for him. You know. Should and, I get one on my face? No. Should I get like a? You ha- you're not allowed to. Should I get a red like yeah. heart on the Hedge tip of my nose? He's not allowed to get face tattoos until he's fully covered. <laughs> That's the kind of a rite of passage when you get face tattoos as well. You know, it's kind of shunned, up, frowned upon if you don't have. You know, it's frowned upon to get your hands tattooed unless you have your arms done. Right, so that makes sense. Okay. My my tattoo artist would not tattoo my. There's hands. a culture within the tattoo world. He would not. Yeah, it's it's like it's just it's an unsaid thing. You know, you just. Yeah. You know, it's a job ruiner, you know? So it's like, realistically, you have a young kid that just wants their hand done. They don't have any other tattoos. It's mm-hmm. like, is this a smart decision, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. for the tattoo artist? Is it, is it uh, respectful of, you know, that person and, and no vice versa, and, you know? What was the hardest, uh, the most painful part? I mean, you got, you have your palms tattooed. Yeah, the palm was probably one of, one, the most, one of the most painful. I had it done four times. 
four times. But this baby ain't going nowhere now. Four times because it wouldn't stay? Uh, I had it done twice by someone that had never done a palm, and now I've had it done once fully and then a touch-up by someone that did know how to do them. When you now go in for tattoos because you've gotten so many, is there ever times when you're like, here we go? Or, or is it like that once once it, the needle starts hitting, like are you like, oh, I'm, I'm, familiar, I'm used to this? Depends on the day. Depends on my mood. It's all different. Or some days, is it like, holy shit, ow, 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 ow. I know when I got it in the middle of my back, oh. that shit hurt. I've had a bunch of tattoos redone recently. Like I had this redone. I had my knee redone. I had both of these thighs redone. So they're really bright and they look really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, I was like, wow, th- those are painful. But also it's so temporary, you know? So for me... Uh, I, you forget the pain, just like, you know, the misery, you know, sometimes you forget it. And that's why we continue to do stuff like through our bodies or whatever, because, you know, I just want to feel something. <laughs> just want to feel it again. No. Um, and obviously in the makeup world, like you, you're very colorful when it comes to putting on different types yeah. of makeup. Yeah. I like doing makeup. I always have. That's why I thought I would be a successful makeup artist, but, um, I just think that ship sailed a long time ago. Well, you're yeah. doing other big things now. I am. I think I. I think there's a reason why I've been uh, put in this path, and um, you know why my back injury happened, and all these other other colorful things in my life. And uh, I have like my dream apprenticeship. You know, like the place that I'm at is absolutely amazing. I just sold a charcoal that I did for my apprenticeship for like you know. A few thousand dollars. Oh, that I've was seen it. Like, I think it's the one I saw, right? Yeah, and that was just like a huge thing. I, I've built this community of collectors through the glass industry. Mm-hmm. They don't just collect glass. They collect art. And these people that are spending all this money on art in general have money. And they want to support me. And I've built this foundation of people, which a lot of apprentices and a lot of other artists don't have, like off the bat. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to have this community of people that just all it just all overlaps art community fine art and tattoo world and it just all is like built this like really strong you know mesh for me i love it yeah is your mom proud of you she's very proud of me does she understand your sobriety like the importance of your sobriety um does she respect it oh yeah she totally respects it i don't think she understands it as much you know as like most normies you know i don't think they understand I think more they're scared more than anything. I think they're scared to like see it. Is she scared that you might go back to using and drinking? No, no. I think um, there have been times where I've she thinks like, oh, because my friends you know smoke weed or whatever, that I might smoke weed or something. But uh, I think she's pretty confident now that I wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing that. So when you say your friends smoke weed, why don't you? What happens? Like, what will happen? You, 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 you know what could happen? Is that Yeah, what? for me, it's like, I play the tape. I love saying that. That's something I learned in early sobriety. It's like, I, I, I play the tape back, you mm-hmm. know, and I remind myself of, of how, how I felt when I was doing that. There were a lot of amazing times. There were so many good times. But when it came down to it, I was in my room, like, alone, like, miserable and wasn't didn't know what to do with my life you know really Mm -hmm. if i smoked weed i would get really paranoid and i know that and it would to to smoke weed i'd have to build a tolerance to smoke weed and then by building a tolerance i'm getting high and i'm i'm down so i need to get up then i'd probably go back on craigslist looking for drugs because i have nowhere else you know i mean i'm gonna i'm writing this in my book too like there's a lot of good times 
Most definitely. When I was a getting, there's a lot of, I did a lot of drugs that made you feel really fucking good. Yeah. So, but, but it's the come, the come down or when it becomes, you know, a, a shit show of a lifestyle yeah. where you're just like uh, aimless, like you don't know what you're yeah. doing with yourself. And, and, yeah. and, and, and the time seems like it just flies. It's like the good times were so long ago. The bad times were the most recent, right. you know, and, and I have to remind myself of all the stories that I hear of people that go out and they are, they say I left off right where I started. Hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm back right where I ended. You know what I mean? That's, that's exactly what would be my case. And if for me, yeah, especially cause I'm a little older now, I have more, you know, all these other, other knowledge under my belt. I know like, because I'd be fresh in the game again, like things would just, I would crash and burn real quick. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. There's no way. And, and, People, people at my shop, they've never seen me drunk or high, mm-hmm. you know, my coworkers, they love me to death. And they're like, I joke with them a lot. I do, I do this thing where, because everyone's drinking or people like that. And the, the, the guy I'm seeing, so I, I kind of fuck with them a little bit. Yes. Yeah. my French. And um, they're like, okay, everyone, you guys all want Trulies or uh, you guys all want White Claws? I'm like, yeah, grab me, grab me one too. And I just, I just mess with them to see what, what they, what they say about it. And they, they're always like, they're always like, I would never, you know, like, you know, they're very protective over me. And it's, it's kind of cool to like, see that come out of them too, you know, and they, Love it. I would have to hide it. I would have to hide it because, and they would know the thing is they've never seen me like that. So they would know probably right away, mm-hmm. you know, and I wouldn't be able to hide it. So you ain't doing that. Yeah, it's good. I love it. I love you. Well, I love you too. You're one of my favorite people. Oh, thank you. You really are. I mean, a lot of people say that I say that to them, but like what, there's people that stand out to me and you stand out, not just because of all of this. It's nice to do this But what's with you. in here. Like you have oh, a, like, thank you. It's so fun. Like yeah. I, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I know we've been talking about it. It's crazy because I remember when I first got sober those first three months and I, that's when I connected with you and then yeah. I was gone for nine months. And I think that you were one of the first people I saw back at the first meeting I went to or the yeah. second, second meeting I went to. Mm-hmm. And you were like, where have you been? And I think you were like one of the first people I was like, I've been out, you know, and I'm, I'm coming back. And I just remember like that, like feeling of like connectedness and for like sure. love Yeah, that was like, and, and like understanding that I was so scared mm-hmm. of coming back, right. you know? And I just, I, I remember distinctly that that was like seeing your faith. I just felt I just felt like so good. I always, whenever I see you, you always brighten up a room. It's like, <laughs> it, I feel more like, cause you're like family. So yeah. like we, I love that you're on the path. Thank you. And I know that you I love a lot doing of it with you. I love you very much. Love Have a too. good rest of your day. And thank you for coming out. I know you got to go somewhere. Yeah. I, I got to go to school soon. It was so good. Yeah. To have yeah you it was nice too. to see you. Love you. Love you too. Bye thank guys. You, thank you guys for coming.